So this is sort of a foundational message for the rest of the month, and I want to establish some things that many of you have already heard before. But how many know it's important as a pastor to introduce those things that uh, some have never heard, and then for those who've heard them, how many recognize it's important that we reinforce what we've already known? So as a pastor, I'm always saying things multiple times because you never catch it all the first time I say it. And so I've said some of these things before, and you're going to hear me say things today that you've heard me teach before, and if you've heard them, let them be reinforced within you. And if you've never heard them, it is my prayer today that God would begin to give you revelation and understanding concerning his word that you've not previously known. We want to talk for the next several weeks about the internal radar, the ability to know something is God's will. How do we know something is from God or something is off limits in our life? How do we know, uh, how do we discern, how can we correctly make decisions so that we don't spend a large part of our life having to recover from bad decisions and from seasons where we operated in, in ignorance of the will of God? The first thing I felt like I should do today and as I've prayed and pressed into this, I really felt like God wanted me to reinforce in the beginning of this series, and especially the beginning of this message, I felt like God wanted me to reinforce to you that he really does want you to know that you're in the will of God. He wants you to know that you're in his will. God doesn't take pleasure in your confusion and your frustration. God really does want you to know what he's up to in your life. Can you say amen if you believe that? We should stop entertaining in all thoughts that God somehow takes pleasure in our confusion or frustration. The Bible is clear that the steps of a good man or woman are ordered by the Lord. The word of God is a lamp unto our feet, come on, and a light unto our pathway. The book of Proverbs says, watch, the path of the just grows brighter and brighter, not darker and darker. The path that you're walking on gets more and more illuminated as you get closer to heaven. How many believe that's good news? And so you don't need to sit in here today thinking that somehow God uh, wants you to live in a tormented, frustrated, confused state over you knowing what is and what is not his will. He wants you to know that you are walking in his will. So let's squish any lying voice that Satan uses to whisper in your ear that God doesn't want us to know. God does want us to know. And how many know that as his children, we want to know that we're living in his will? So you've got these two things that are colliding. It is the will of God for you to know, and it is your will to know. So today we're going to find out how to know. From mates to marriage, from jobs to location of where to live, God has a plan for your life. God is not working a plan on the spot for you today. God is not coming up with a plan for the latest chapter that you didn't know was coming. I don't know if this is going to bless you or hurt your feelings, but whatever pain you just come out of, God knew it was coming before it got there. You got to understand that because if you don't understand that God knows the plan from the beginning, you think God has to run down from heaven every time you have a chapter that you didn't like or you weren't expecting, and you think God's trying to come up with something on the scene. 
If I don't get anything else across to you today, I want you to understand that God is not operating for a plan. He is operating from a plan. And the plan God is operating from in your life is the perfect plan that he decided about your life from the foundation of the world. There is a reason God is already in your tomorrow and yet he's right here with you today. He's already prepared the very life that he destined and desired for you to live. And the stuff that you and I encounter in life as we walk through life, there are many chapters about tomorrow that we do not know. But although we don't know what tomorrow holds, we can always lay our head down at night and rest knowing that we know who holds tomorrow. God wants you to know his will. And in the 20 plus years of ministry that I have God has allowed me to be a part of. It seems that the frustration, confusion, the pain, and the hopelessness that many Christians have can be primarily attributed to the difficulty that comes in discerning and knowing the will of God for our lives. Have you ever met those people who just know things? Weird people. Like some of us. Some of you who just know things. And when you talk to them and you say, how did you know that? They don't really have an explanation that makes a lot of logical sense. But they say things like this. I just had a gut feeling. I just knew in my knower. How many know what I'm talking about right here? I, I, I can't explain it. It's almost as if God gave us a sixth sense. Um, it's almost as if God built in, in fact, it's not almost as if he did. And that sixth sense that you and I have, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to di differentiate between the two, so hang on. If you're not saved, people would call it intuition. If you're saved, you should call it discernment. Okay. Intuition comes from a man's spirit even if he's not saved and he don't know where he got it from. He just has a feeling like the guy who felt, I was reading a story in Reader's Digest about a guy who felt like he shouldn't get on a plane and couldn't tell anybody in his family why. But he, got, he, he, he decided, I'm not getting on this plane. This is not a saved man. At least, at least if he was, the story didn't say he was. He just said, I had a gut feeling that I wasn't supposed to get on the plane. So his whole family cries, screams, goes crazy. They don't get on a plane. The, cl the plane crashes, everyone dies, and dad becomes a hero. Why? Because he had a gut feeling. Well, for the Christian, it's not really a gut feeling. For the Christian, it's not just intuition. For the Christian, it is that knowing down in the knower that is influenced by two things. Two, two things. One is the Holy Spirit, and the other is the truth of God's word. When you get born again, the spirit on the inside of you gets born again. How many, you know, we sang songs growing up, and I was telling J.R. Fitch last night, uh, we were fellowshipping, and I was telling him last night, growing up, we sang songs. I'm not sure how theologically sound some of them were, but they blessed us. Amen? One of them was, I'm in a new world since the Lord saved me. I looked at my hands, my hands looked new. I looked at my feet, and they did too. When I got saved, my hands and feet didn't change. Come on, if you had a corn on your toe before you got saved, you had one on your foot after you got saved. How many know what I'm telling you is real? What got born again was not your body. What got born again was your spirit. Spirit. 
And the thing in you that has the ability to know God's will came alive because Christ's blood paid for your sins and the Spirit of God came into your spirit and now your spirit man came to life. And now that your spirit man is alive, it has the ability to know. But there is a difference between your intuition and discernment. Intuition can be born out of just instinct but discernment is born by the spirit and it is born by the spirit as the holy spirit gives you revelation and the word of god brings light to your heart now what is that gut feeling what is that gut feeling you and i have on the inside when we can't even explain it we just know something for the born again child of god i submit to you it is god trying to communicate something to you in many instances and notice i said many and not all because you and i are not infallible how many would agree with me this morning that we still make mistakes even in our humble submission and obedience to god wanting to know his will even the best of us at times if we're not careful We can't miss it. It is Jeremiah the prophet who said, the heart is desperately wicked and deceitful who can know it. There are times in our life when we think we know the will of God and we have to just be cautious and reinforce and confirm that what we're hearing is indeed the word of God and we'll talk more about that in a moment. But what what I am talking about today is not intuition. I'm not, talking you, I'm not talking about you walking around in all your life saying, oh, I've got a feeling on the inside, and you don't know where it came from or what it is. I want you to know that what God is trying to reinforce and develop in us is not just the gift of intuition. It is the gift of discernment that shows up in our spirit and begins to speak to us because it is there that God begins to talk to his people. Now, if we are going to know God's will, we have to know where his voice comes from. Look at somebody and say, neighbor, locate the voice of God. Now this can get real hairy, and, and I prayed for God to give me such clarity because I don't want you to get confused. But it is a, a, a deep subject, and it has to be treated such because there's, there's no simple way to teach or preach this. And many people go through their lives not knowing what I'm getting ready to teach you. And so I just think it's good for us on this Sunday, this first message of this series on developing discernment, for us to talk about how to locate the voice of God. Where do I locate the voice of God in my life? How can I find the voice of God? So the first thing I want to teach this morning is that you have to find your spirit if you're going to find the voice of God. Because the Spirit's voice speaks to your spirit. You say, Pastor, God does not talk to me. I say that's not true. The Bible said in John chapter 10, verse 27, my sheep hear my voice. The issue is not God talking. And sometimes the issue is not even that you're not hearing. Sometimes you don't know that what you're hearing is God talking to you. In order to locate the voice of God, you have to know how you're made. If you're taking notes, write it down. I've said this a hundred times, but it's very important for you to understand this if you're going to know where your spirit is. You are a spirit. You have a soul. You live in a body. You are a spirit. You have a soul. You live in a body. In order to um, understand 
God's ability to speak to you, he doesn't speak to the temporal part of you. He speaks to the eternal part of you. The temporal part of you is your body. Everybody slap your body. Just slap your hand. You feel that? That is not you. That is the tent you are camping out in. Oh, I know I'm in the Bible because Paul told us over in Corinthians, he said this tent is outwardly perishing. This, this thing you see is not how I'm going to look for eternity. And I give God the praise for it. Don't miss it. God, when he speaks to you, does not speak to the temporal corruptible part of you and I. God speaks to the eternal part of you that is unseen with natural eyes. Uh, there is a part of you that is eternal, that is your soul and spirit. And every day we, watch this, the reason hearing and knowing God's voice can be difficult is because God speaks on a different wavelength than the way you and I speak to each other every day. We speak Mouth to ear. You and your spouse, you and your friends, you and your co-workers, you speak mouth to ear. God does not speak from his mouth to your ear, your natural ear. That's not how God speaks. God speaks spirit to spirit. If you walk around your whole life saying, I can't hear God. I don't know what God is doing. I don't know what God is saying. It's because some people are trying to hear him through the wrong method. God is not talking to you the same way your spouse does. God doesn't need your physical ears to talk to. God needs an open spirit, a hungry spirit, a, watch, a spirit that is in tune with him. He said, my sheep know my voice and a stranger they will not follow. John chapter, John chapter 10 verse 26. Verse 27, uh, uh, my sheep know my voice, a stranger they will not follow. My sheep know my voice, my sheep know my voice. I'm talking to them and they'll know it. Watch. If he's talking and you don't know it, it doesn't mean you're not saved or something's wrong with you. It just means you need to tune your spirit in. Every Sunday at 2 o'clock on AM 1260, glory 1260, hallelujah, um, on uh, 2 o'clock on every Sunday afternoon for, for one whole hour from 2, 2 p.m. to 3 p.m., we have a radio broadcast, and I preach the gospel on radio. And they went, just went to an FM station, and I have no clue what it is. But anyway, it doesn't matter. We'll find it out and tell about it later. It sounds better in FM than it does on AM. Amen? Twelve o'clock, uh, 2 o'clock every Sunday afternoon, I teach and preach the gospel on the radio. And I was in the funeral home yesterday preaching the funeral, and a brother walked up to me. Oh, Bishop Wallace, we hear you every Sunday on the radio. Now, here's the deal. He turns it on every Sunday at 2 o'clock to hear me teach and preach. But when he turns it off, it doesn't mean that the radio station stopped playing a signal. It just means that he wasn't tuned in to hear it. And just because you're not hearing it doesn't mean God isn't talking. It might just mean that while he's talking, you're tuned into a different frequency. So in order to know the voice of God, you got to tune into the right frequency. Come on, somebody. And pick up on what God is trying to say to you in your spirit. Now look at, look at, uh, look at, verse, uh, look at John 14, 16, 17. This is just before Jesus is crucified. He says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another comforter to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because, watch, it neither 
sees him. This is John 14, verse 16 through 17. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him. But you know him. For he lives with you and will be in you. The world doesn't know him because the world doesn't see him. One of the reasons God saved us in our spirit is so that we could have relationship with a God we could not see. You and I have never in full and total glory seen the full manifestation of God. If you did, you would die. But how many are thankful and grateful that even though we haven't seen him in his full glory, how many are grateful that he still allows us to know him deeply and powerfully and in the fullness of his resurrection and the power of his resurrection and fellowship of his suffering? How? How do we do that? Through the spirit, not through the body. Because there are going to be days when you have a divine appointment to know God deeply and your flesh doesn't feel like it. This is why we do a lot of teaching and preaching about tell your flesh to shut up and, you know, come on, get out of your flesh and get in the spirit. Why? Because your flesh often tries to dictate to you when you should expect an encounter with God. The devil is a liar. God does not allow my experience with him to be held hostage by the weakness of my flesh. Sometimes I just have to tell my flesh, you know what? I am tired. My feet are sore. My body is aching with pain. My mind is troubled. I am frustrated. I've got problems. I've got stuff going on. But I've got to get up and be in the house of God. And I've got to get up and go to church. And I've got to go pray. And I've got to go read my Bible. Because it's when you push the flesh back that the spirit inside of you stands up. And God says, now that you're in tune with the spirit, you can hear my voice. If your primary concentration for Christian journey is comfort, you will be miserable trying to find the voice of God. Because often the voice of God is not found in a place of comfort, it is found in a place of great challenge. Now, you have to locate the voice of God. So, how many would agree with me that when you say, find your spirit, how many would agree with me that seems challenging sometimes? Because when I close my eyes and I try to find my spirit, the first thing I encounter is my thoughts. Right? Well, can I tell you that your thought life is where your spirit can be found? In your thoughts. When you close your eyes. For, see, sometimes I just, it's as simple for me as closing my eyes and talking to God that I can find my spirit. I hope this doesn't sound weird to you. Sometimes trying to find God, you know, Psalm 46 verse 10 is a really powerful verse. It's really short but very powerful. It says something very profound. Be still and know that I am God. Sometimes you can't find God because you can't be still. And sometimes when we get still, we, we, we spend our time worrying and fretting instead of meditating and rejoicing. But if you want to find where your spirit is, sit down and close your eyes and start talking to God. That is where your spirit is. Don't look around. I'm not saying that you have to close your eyes all the time, but for me, it helps to get the world and the appearance of everything I'm dealing with, shut it down and get a hold of where my spirit is on the inside. And when I start talking to God, it is there that I can find my spirit. Now, here's what I want to tell you. Sometimes your spirit, although it is born again, isn't getting 100% accurate waves Right? When you're picking up on the frequency of heaven, how many know that you've got to make sure 
you're picking up God's voice and not your own thoughts. Because there are some people, you walk up to them and they say, God said. And when they start telling you what God said, what God told them is very different than what God said in the Bible. Well, guess who's right and who's wrong? The word is right and you are wrong. I don't care how divine your dream was. Right? We have to locate our spirit. Not just our, not just our thoughts, but our spirit. Not just our body, but our spirit. Not even our feelings. Because soul and feeling, that's, where, that, that's what the soul is. It's the feeling. It's the emotion of it all. That's not your spirit. Your spirit is that place inside you that can speak to God and can hear from God. And so when you get born again, that spirit comes open to God. John 14 tells us the spirit comes to live within us. You have the Holy Spirit inside of you. But not only do we need to learn how to locate the voice of God, watch, Some of us can't locate it until we first understand you have to learn the voice of God. Locating the voice of God is important, but you also have to learn the voice of God. Because sometimes you go to the place inside, in your spirit, where God spoke to you last. And the previous time God spoke to you, your mind was in a place of clarity. Your heart was in a place of purity. And what you heard was from God. But if you don't watch, if you don't train yourself... How to stay in tune with God. You can go back to the place in your heart, in your spirit where God spoke. And the next time you go, if there's some sin in your heart, it can disturb the waves and the frequency that is speaking to you on the inside. And although you're in the same place you heard the previous command, it's not the same voice and the same source talking to you. This is where we miss it and I want to talk about it. So how do we learn the voice of God? So we locate the voice of God by finding our spirit because it is in our spirit. It is in our spirit that God speaks to us. But knowing the location of where God speaks to us is not enough. That may, that may seem, that's, that's, to, to me, that's too mechanical. That requires no relationship. We have to learn the voice of God through relationship because not every thought and not every voice in your head is God speaking to you. I got three amens, but the rest of us should say amen to that. Amen? That every voice and every thought that comes through your mind is not the voice of God. There are several definite clear behaviors we can engage in to know that the gut feeling that we are having is a result of God speaking to us. Taking notes, write this down. Be slow to trust what you have not trained. Be slow to trust what you have not trained. I didn't say don't trust it. I said be slow to trust it. Because God's big enough to speak to people who haven't had time to train themselves a whole lot. How many would agree with that? But by and large, I'm going to show you scripture in a minute to back up what I'm talking about. By and large, the ability to know and have confidence that you're operating in the will of God comes from training your spirit to know the voice of God. And if you don't take time to trust your spirit... I mean, to train your spirit, then don't be so quick to trust it. Because you can train your spirit. Say, I can train my spirit. Now, how do we train our spirit? There are definite, clear behaviors that let us know the thoughts that we are having are from God. 
There are three kinds of thoughts. You need to write this down. Please write this down if you're taking notes. There are three, there are three kinds of thoughts. Spirit promptings, self-promptings, and satanic suggestions. Spirit promptings, self-promptings, and satanic suggestions. Everything that goes through our heart, watch, everything that goes through our mind, everything floating through our spirit is one of those three. It's either just a product of our flesh, self-promptings, it's a product of the Holy Spirit speaking to us, or it is a product of a satanic suggestion. And how many know sometimes those lines get blurred? Anybody know what I'm talking about? How many have ever been in a season in your life where you couldn't figure out if it was you, God, or the devil? I've often told the story, maybe not often, but I've told the story before about Devin and I and how we got together, and some of you know that story and some of you don't. I'm not going to go into the depths of it because it's a whole episode of Jerry Springer that you don't have time for today, but I'm kidding. Um, when Devin and I were together, I, I, I had a real strong word from God that I was supposed to marry her. The problem was I wasn't very couth in my delivery of that. So I walk up to her. She has no clue who I am. I, I, I surprise her after a prayer meeting with a card, and in the card, I let her know God told me I was going to marry you, and she thinks I'm all of a sudden psychotic, and it's a very interesting dynamic when you're chasing someone that thinks you're psychotic, and you know, there were times that I'm certain that she could have called the cops for stalking her, and the entire time I'm thinking, this is going to be my wife, the entire time she is thinking, what is this? And so it kind of was crazy until we sat down at her grandfather's house. He's a Methodist preacher. His grandmother's a sweet Methodist first lady, and they're just real quaint, quiet, uh, amazing, beautiful people, sort of like something that would come out of the, the preacher on Little House of the Prairie. He's kind of that guy. He makes you feel like that guy. He's a real sweet guy. And so we're sitting at dinner. He says, let's bow our heads. We're friends. It's actually a weird thing that we're going through. We're kind of friends. We're not on. We're off because, you know, there's all this tension, and we're not quite sure what's going on. We sit down, and my man... My man, the Methodist preacher, goes into tongues at the dinner table. I'm talking about not he na na ta ta ta. I'm talking about my man was speaking fluently. He was talking to somebody in heaven about this situation. And all of a sudden, I'm freaking out because the chicken's getting cold and the potatoes are getting cold. And the Methodist, I'm, I'm thinking in my mind, what is happening here? The man just got baptized in the Holy Ghost, and I didn't even say receive the Holy Ghost. He touched my hand and started speaking in tongues. I knew I was anointed. Then I found out later he had already been baptized in the Holy Ghost, so it had nothing to do with me. Right? So we're at the dinner table. He's speaking in tongues, and then he interprets the message. And he said, today the cloud and the frustration and the confusion will be pushed back. And the will of God will be done. And I had a great peace come on me. She had a great peace come on her. I thought God is about to hook us up. She thought God is about to get him out of my life. It's a true story. And so we go to, from there, we go to a, her youth pastor's house. And that night he asked me to preach revival the next year. And in that, in that revival the next year, that's when we fell in love. And four months later, we were married. But that night, confusion got pushed back. God's will was accomplished. I want you to understand that God, God knows very, very clearly how to communicate to you his will. But you've got to first come to a place where you do not trust yourself so much, but rather you trust the God in you. And then he begins to take over and communicate everything you need him to communicate to you. Now... Let me give you several ways. Uh, 
I've got a few minutes here, so we're doing good. Let me give you some clear behaviors that you need to engage in, some very clear ways God makes his voice known and that gut feeling on the inside of you, you know it's coming from God. So let me give you some ways. Number one, through revelation. Everybody write this down. Say, through revelation. Now, you want to know the will of God for your life. The only way to know the will of God is that God reveal it to you. The things that we get from heaven are revealed to us. They're revealed to us by the Holy Spirit to our spirit. So we need to understand that God is sending revelation and we should be receiving revelation from the Holy Spirit. People who say God showed me something are not weirdos. People who say God spoke to me are not crazy. People who say, you know, God and I were having a conversation. Have you ever forgot who you were talking to? And you said something crazy like the Lord showed me last night and your co-worker's like, whoa, 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 What? God showed you? Are you kidding me? Or have you ever forgotten who you were talking to and you were like, yes, I'm driving down the car and tears just begin to flow because God spoke to me. And you look at your girlfriend and she's like, girl, what are you talking about? God spoke to you. I, my preacher don't tell me God talked to me. And you're like, well, we, we believe God talks to us. Have you ever had an encounter with God? Have you ever had an encounter with God? Or is God to you just someone that they sit up on a mantle somewhere in the church and you come and you sing two fast songs unto him, one slow song unto him, and you go home and you don't know him the rest of the week? That is not his will for your life. You can know God. He wants you to know him and he wants to reveal things to you. It's why Paul said in Ephesians chapter 2, I pray that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. He wants you to have eyes wide open. He wants you to know what he's up to. He wants to reveal amazing things to you. But we got to find out how revelation comes because if you don't understand that it is pure, genuine, authentic revelation from God that shapes and controls and, and directs your life, then you might be willing to settle for a cheap imitation revelation that could get you in a whole lot of trouble. First thing, say through revelation. Now, if you want to learn the voice of God and learn that gut feeling on the inside, the first thing you got to know is that you learn it through revelation. And the the primary way that you learn the revelation of God is through his word. Now, I'm going to make a lot of people mad at me right here, but I want to say this and be really clear. The written word of God has preeminence over every experience or encounter you ever have. It is not to suggest that you shouldn't have authentic, genuine, uncommon, godly, amazing encounters. You and I should. In fact, I was sharing with the team this past week, I believe it was in staff meeting, that when I was 17 years old, I had a God encounter in my bedroom just before I left for Lee University. I had a dream, and I laid in my bed and prayed in the Spirit for hours and could not move. I felt like electricity was flowing through the ends of my fingers. I felt like my body was convulsing in, in, in and I'm, I'm, I'm not even like comfortable telling all of you this because you think I'm crazy, but I know what happened that day. I could not move as I was seized by the Spirit of God. 
It forever marked my future and my life. God stamped my soul that day with his glory. And I am 38 years old to this day. And 21 years ago it happened. And I can still remember how powerful it felt when the glory of Yahweh came into my bedroom and seized my spirit. I will never be the same. 21 years later and I still feel it in my spirit. No matter how powerful the encounter is, the word of God has preeminence. Here's the deal. If you do not spend time in this word, you will not know the voice of God. Period. I could probably fold the Bible, close my notes, walk off the stage and set somebody free if they would just grab that. If you don't spend time in this book, you will not know the voice of God and you will not understand the revelation of the Holy Ghost. You say, prove it. Okay, I will. Go over to Hebrews 5 verse 12. We're just teaching this morning. I got a little wound up there a few minutes ago, but I'm trying quickly to calm down. I'm just kidding. I'm not calming down. I'm filling up the gas tank again. <laughs> Hebrews 5.12, for though, I want you to look at this. Can you put that up on the screen? Hebrew, I know you're going to be frustrated, but I want somebody to see this. You're not frustrated, but I should have given this to you ahead of time. Hebrews 5 verse 12. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you yourself need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. Amen. And you have become, you have come to need milk and not solid food. Go to the next verse for me. We're going all the way to the end. For everyone who partakes, watch, of only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. Amen. And not the kind of babe that you think you saw at the beach, but a baby. <laughs> Verse 14. Verse 14. But solid, watch. Listen, this is so good. Some of you need to catch this. Solid food belongs to those who are full age. That is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Here's what that verse means. It's a little difficult, and when I read it in the Greek and went back and chased it all down, scholars have a hard time understanding exactly what they think the writer was meaning here, but here's what I believe the writer was saying. Full age doesn't mean old. Full age means somebody who is mature, who has used the word of God, not just the milk, but the meat. Boy, growing up, we used to talk about the milk and the meat. And some people just want the milk. God, get ready to bless you. Ha, you're the head and not the tail. Ha, oh, God is getting ready to open up a door. Ha, that's good, but that's milk. Sometimes you need to sit down and be quiet and train your spirit to know good from evil. Because most of the people rebuking the devil need to stop rebuking the devil and fix their flesh because many of the problems we accuse of being the devil are nothing more than the result of carnal behavior, disobedience, and ignoring the voice of God. You cannot rebuke what you have received the night before. Okay. This scripture teaches us something. We need solid food, the meat of the word, and we need to exercise it over and over again so that we develop the ability to discern good from evil. Get in the word. 
over and over and over and over again. Read the same scriptures over and over and over and over again. Why? Because you are training your spirit to discern good from evil so that when evil shows up, the good word of God in you says, "Uh uh-uh, that ain't from God. When they teach the FBI on how to find false money, they never let them handle false money, Justin. The FBI gives their money laundering department real money, and they handle real money all the time so that when they touch fake money, they say, oh, this don't feel like the real thing. And the reason some people in the church keep getting the false blessing is because they haven't handled the real thing enough to know that when the false, I'm getting ready to say something right here. Some people keep jumping from spouse to, oh God, why do you do this to me on Sunday? Why not Wednesday? Some people keep jumping spouse to spouse, mate to mate, relationship to relationship. And the reason why you ain't found the right one is because you ain't spent enough time time with Jesus to know what a real man looks like sister so that when one walks into your life oh God who am I talking to in here I just started preaching slap three or four people near you and say handle the real thing and we don't have a word life But we got dreams and words and revelation. There's something wrong with this. This is not God's little idea. This is the word of the Lord. Heaven and earth will pass away. But this book right here will abide forever. You know why? It wasn't just a group of men who wrote it with an ink pen. It was a group of men who grabbed a pen under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost and they wrote as they were told to by God. And if you want to know the voice of God, this is where you start, not where you end. I don't run here for, listen, I don't run here at the end of my revelation to see Oh, is that the Lord? If I've handled it appropriately, my revelation will confirm what I've already discovered in the Word. Revelation comes to us through this book. Well, Brother Wallace, I just have the hardest time reading the Word of God. No, see, what you have a hard time with is telling your flesh to be quiet while you read the Word of God. I'm convinced most of the people who don't have encounters with God have no clue that they're not even in the spirit. They're trying to find God with their body, their physical body, or their natural mind. God is not there. The natural man cannot receive from God. He believes that the things of God are foolishness. And look at me. I don't just believe Paul is talking about sinful people. When when Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2 that a natural man cannot know the things of God, I believe he's talking about our natural man. My natural man thought this building was crazy. When I walked in this room four years ago and it was this big and we had 150 people. I said, this building is too big. 
And God said, nope, it can't hold me. So you change your perspective because you see something in your flesh. You feel something in your flesh that is not from God. And then God begins to inform you through your spirit that what you're feeling is not from him. If you don't have a word life, you will not know the voice of God. And if it came to you, you wouldn't know it was him speaking to you anyway. Now, revelation not only comes through the word, but listen, how many know and agree with me, revelation can come through dreams? Come on, don't get religious. Revelation can come through prophecy. Why does the Bible, why does Paul in the, in, in the book of First Thessalonians chapter 5, he's writing to the church at Thessalonica, and why would Paul say something like this? Despise not prophesying. Do you know why Paul said don't despise prophecy? Because the church at Thessalonica began to despise prophecy. Do you know why? Because there were so many prophets and there were so many people just speaking and prophesying, shooting from the hip. They weren't even in tune with God. And genuine, authentic Christians began to get fed up with the false prophets in Thessalonica who were falsely prophesying and they just began to think all prophecy was a sham. Some of you think all prophecy is a sham because you've seen some shiny-shoed, slick-haired preacher on TV trying to swindle money out of people's pockets and he did it all in the name of, yeah, I say, I got a word for you. And you think every prophet is trying to take your money. Most prophets don't want your money. Most prophets are anointed by the true prophets, are anointed by God not to take your money, but to take you from glory to glory and from this level to another level. That's what a true prophet does. And I'm telling you right now, God is restoring the gift of the prophetic to the church. Because if the church doesn't have room for a prophet, the church will stay stuck in the rut she's in. God gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the edifying of the church. And if you don't like prophets, you have removed yourself from hearing one of the most significant voices in your life. People can prophesy. People prophesy sometimes. I don't even understand it. Before we received a $4 million miracle in this church eight years ago, a little guy came through named Harold Woodson, and he sang this song. If He started singing this song, and I was like, he's in the flesh. The entire time he was singing it, he was singing a prophetic song over us. And here's what he was singing. If you knew what God was about to do, if you knew what God was about to do. And I'm sitting on the front row and he's preaching. I'm going, this is horrific. I mean, he's my buddy, but I'm thinking this is going to be an absolute train wreck. He sang the song four or five times in a row. Two weeks later, God gave our church a $4 million miracle. I called Harold. I said, keep singing. Please keep singing. Sing prophetically over me every day of your life, right? Some of us are religious. 
I'm just going to say it. Some of us don't get revelation from God because if it doesn't come like it came through your pappy's church or your granny's church or your preacher's preacher, then you don't get it. God may send you your favorite preacher, but he might send you a donkey and let the donkey who speak hee-haw start speaking Hebrew. And if you want a revelation, you'll listen to whoever God sends. I wish I had somebody to help me preach today. We need revelation. You want to know that gut feeling on the inside is from God? Spend time in the Word training your spirit. Your spirit will become perceptive and the waves, the wavelength, the frequency of the spirit will be picked up in your heart. And you do this by exercising over and over again the solid food of the word of God and by it you're able to discern good from evil. The next way, not only is there a revelation, the second, I don't understand, okay, I'm good. The second way, I'm doing real good. Man, I'm incredible. This is amazing, okay. I mean, I'm not incredible, but my timekeeping today is incredible, okay. Leave me alone. I felt good for a moment, okay. Watch. The second thing I want you to know is that not only do you get the will of God through revelation, but you get it through peace or the absence thereof. Okay, so let me, they probably don't have the amplified version in the back. So let me read to you from the amplified version because I thought this was just, just fabulous, okay? Colossians 3 verse 15, write this down. Write the address down. Go check it out in the amplified later. The peace of God. Let the peace of God Rule your heart, Amplified Bible, as an acting as an umpire, deciding and settling with finality all questions that arise in your mind. The word rule, everyone say rule. So in Colossians 3 verse 15, you guys are absolutely amazing back there. Can we give it up for the media team? Come on. I mean, I just pulled one on them and look what they did. We're going to Disney World back there. Come on. Okay, watch. Let the peace, soul harmony, which comes from Christ rule, act as an umpire continually in your hearts, deciding and settling with finality all questions that arise in your minds in that peaceful state to which as members of Christ, one body, you are also called to live and be thankful, appreciative, giving praise to God always. I love that. Here's what I want you to see. The word rule in the Greek is the Greek word barbeo. It's where Romans in that day got the idea of a referee or an umpire. Paul uses that word to describe how the peace of God should act in our hearts. When any thought, and I'm going to take God at his word, any and all thoughts that I don't know how to discern as good or evil. Now, some thoughts I'm going to know that's good and from God or that's evil and not from God. It's a satanic suggestion. But in the event that something comes into my life that I'm not able to know, is this God or me or the devil? Is this the flesh? Is this the spirit? Or is this Satan? In moments where I don't know, then I am given the permission to go search for the peace of God in my heart. 
and the peace of God acts as if it were an umpire, how many know what an umpire does? Okay, so for those of you who don't know much about me, had I not been a preacher, this is a true story, I would have sought to become a professional umpire in the major leagues. I knew how to call balls and strikes like nobody in Chattanooga. It's true. Ha! That's what a strike was. Ball was like this. Ball. And on the third strike, if they got caught looking, I rung them up like this. Ha! Pull the string. They were like, oh, that's amazing. People in here that don't know baseball think I'm crazy right now. All of you men are like, yes, my pastor is a man's man. Glory. Watch. I would have been a professional baseball umpire. That's what I would have sought. Okay? Baseball umpires, softball umpires, they have bounds to operate in. And their job is to call something fair or foul that's playable that's not in play game on come on Wayne's world game off right <laughs> my 90 self coming through right there okay umpires say fair or foul the peace of God acts as your umpire if you got something floating around in your mind that you don't know the will of God about Go find the peace of God about it. Do you have peace? If you got peace about it, God is telling you that's fair. If you don't have peace, God's saying, foul ball. Some of y'all searching for a spouse need to hear the umpire when he says, foul ball. Because you might have her and she might be 36, 24, 36, but she's still a foul ball. Oh, I'm not getting no help right here. I see some of y'all packing y'all stuff up, getting ready to run to the car, but I got 12 minutes and 11 seconds, and somebody got to sit there and receive what I'm teaching today. I'm telling you, don't get yourself in a mess anymore trying to play with the ball that God called foul. If the Lord, oh, come on, somebody. Don't, meet me, don't let me be out here all by myself. If you've got a bad feeling on the inside and you can't find peace, it don't matter why you can't find it. Trust God. I always wait till at least I have peace. Because if it's God's will for me to do it, he'll make sure I get the peace needed to accompany the decision I'm making. Let the peace of God act as an umpire, a referee, a stoplight. Got the green light? Go. You got a caution light? Slow it down. Got a red light? Stop. And what you don't stop that God told you to stop with, oh, God is so good. Because he often bails us out of things we had to end, encounter when we read the stoplight, when we ran the stoplight. How much time have we wasted asking God to bail us out of stuff he was trying to keep us from in the first place? Devin, sit up here laughing. Because there have been so many times in our life she'd come to me and read a person. You know me. 
the quintessential pastor. Love everybody. Everybody who tells me they love me, love me. Everybody who said they're out for your best, they really got my best. I just believe the best in everybody. Devin? Nope. <laughs> Kinda. You say, well, she shouldn't be like that. Actually, I'm very thankful. With my makeup and my emotional and, and, and the chemistry and my personality, I'm very grateful for a person who has some discernment sometimes. Because it kept me out of rooms with some real scoundrels. And every now and then I have to remind her she ain't God. I'm kidding. I don't have to remind her that. She knows that. Sometimes, so watch this, sometimes compassionate, loving people have got to operate in better discernment. Sometimes discerning people have got to have a little more compassion. So let me balance that out real quick. Because just because you saw something in them didn't mean God didn't call you to come alongside of them and help them clean it up. That's decent. Because if you can see everybody else's problems and can't see your own, Jesus talked about you. Yeah, he did. <laughs> he said, you got that telephone pole in your eye, and you're sitting there trying to pluck a toothpick out of your neighbor's eye. <laughs> okay. So, so what we have to embrace is in our heart that we have exercised in the Word of God, we have had revelation, we, we have a spirit that is open to the Holy Ghost, and God is able to speak to us and talk to us and show us things. Oh, I got so blessed. I'm so blessed this past Sunday, a Wednesday night. I have a beautiful family and a couple in our church, and I won't say who they are, but they just got a great promotion. They're moving to another city, and they were crying. I was crying. They hate leaving. I hate them leaving, but it's God thing, and we knew it was God. But they said, you know, we, and they called the denomination they were from, and I will not, but it was a, a big denomination, and they said, you know, we just didn't believe in the things of the Spirit, and this place helped us to understand God is so much bigger. Listen, I pray that the lid gets ripped off of your lives. And you're able to know and, dis and discern and to experience and find God in ways that your religious upbringing may have told you you could never know God. He is bigger than what many have been told. And if you are always experiencing God in the context and from the reference point of what you had in your past, even as a child, the affinity and the sentimentality that you experienced in the little church you were, nothing wrong. I was raised in a small church. So let me first of all help you understand, I'm not bashing small churches. I'm just telling you, sometimes they thought because they were small, God was small. And many of times the reason they were small is not because God was small or because they were supposed to stay small. It's because their mind stayed small. Not every church is supposed to be a mega church. That's not what I'm trying to suggest. But every church is supposed to be a place where God can invade. Some of us today, we need to know that the peace of God in our hearts. If you've got a, I'm going to say this, and I'm preaching, one of the messages I'm preaching on in this month is called Radar, Recognizing and Discerning Assigned Relationships. And I'm going to talk about who you are supposed to be and not be connected to. 
But I really felt in prayer this week that there were people who were dating or courting or chilling. And I covered all of them because some of y'all would deceive yourself and try to deceive me with your verbiage. We just chilling. No, you're not chilling. Kissing, kissing ain't chilling. Oh, I'm coming for you. <laughs> I got five minutes, 57 seconds. I knew what I was going to do before I got through. You're not just chilling. You got to, listen, if you got a, a red light in your spirit, God sent me to this pulpit today to remind you it's an absence of peace. And until you get peace, stop. There comes a point in it, and I'm not trying to take you into a dating seminar, but somebody needed this today. There comes a point in every relationship where you do one of three things, and somebody in this room today is right there. You either live in sin, you get married, or you break up. That's, that's a pl- you get to that place. You cross that line where you do one of three things, get married, live in sin, or break up. And the slower you take getting to that line, the better off you are. Because when you get to that line, you don't just hop back on the other side. Slow down. And some of you need to stop. And I'm not saying this like your boss. I'm saying this like a spiritual father who loves you, who heard God in prayer at 530 this morning tell me to tell somebody, stop. Be careful. Well, Brother Wallace, I'm just, I want it so bad. You are not as ready for it as you think you are. And the one you're pursuing is not as ready for you as you think they are. Boy, this is heavy, and I got single people mad at me all over the building right now. My goodness, I was going to buy a ring. Glory to God. Bishop, shut up. I can't. I'm not saying he or she isn't right. I'm saying wait on peace. So, watch. The gut feeling you have on the inside. Number one, it comes through revelation. Revelation of the word. And revelation through prophecy, dreams, visions. Whatever method God wants to speak to you through, God can give you the revelation, but it comes to your spirit. The second way is through peace. The third final way that I want to talk about this morning is through relationships. Godly relationships. Now, I wrestled with this one because I thought, how do I say this without it sounding like we have to go to people to speak on behalf of God? But I'm not really talking about running to people for God's voice. I'm talking about running to people who you trust. And I'll talk about that in a moment, who can help you discern if what you're hearing is in fact from God. Do not seek out people for counsel who just like you. (laughs) Some of us are in the greatest messes of our life because the only people who speak into our life are people who have, who want something we have. And when all you do is chase down people who want what you have for wisdom, they'll tell you, Anything you want to hear to get what they want that you have. Find some people who got nothing to give you in response, in return, but love your soul and share your thing and your heart and your revelation with them to see how they respond. 
Yeah, you say, Pastor, is that scriptural? To run to somebody? It's absolutely. There's wisdom in the counsel of, uh, in, in the number of counselors you have. That's what Proverbs teaches. If you have counselors and counsel in your life, it'll keep you from being in a mess. The Bible said it, it's better to have two than one because if one falls in a pit, who gets them out? You need some folk in your life. I don't care how Wonder Woman or Superman you think you are. You're going to find yourself in a rut one day and need a hand. And all them people, you acted holier than thou too. Oh, see? The very people you act like you didn't need might be the very one God assigns to reach down and rescue your stubborn tail. You need godly relationships. How do I know that? First Samuel. Two and three. Samuel is living in the temple of God. He's laying down in his bed one night, and the voice of God comes to Samuel. Samuel! He gets up and runs to Eli. Yes, sir, you called for me. No, I didn't. Go back to bed. Samuel goes back to bed, lays down, goes back to sleep, laying on his bed. Samuel! Samuel runs up, comes to Eli. Eli, you called for me. It wasn't me, boy. This is the Wallace Unauthorized Translation. It wasn't me, boy. Go back to bed. He runs back to bed, comes back the third time. God comes back and speaks to Samuel. Samuel! He goes to Eli, and Eli says this. He, it says this of Eli. He discerned that what Samuel was hearing was the voice of God. Well, I wish I had time to preach on that because Samuel was hearing what Eli was supposed to hear. Samuel had never heard the voice of God, and watch, God was talking to him, and he didn't know it was God, which means God can talk to you, and you not know it was God. But thank God for godly people in our life who help us discern what we're hearing. So the third time he comes to him, Eli says, go back to bed, and if God speaks to you again, Respond to God this way. Here am I, Lord. Here am I. What did, what did Eli do for the boy Samuel that day? He taught him through relationship how to discern and know the voice of God. So Samuel goes back to bed, lays down on his bed. God comes back. Samuel! Samuel gets up. Here am I. What do you want me to do, God? Hear me. Don't miss this. You need people in your life who can give you instruction and give you wisdom when God starts speaking to you in ways you don't know how to understand and discern what God is saying. If your marriage is in trouble, don't go seek counsel from somebody that got married last week. For real? Y'all ain't even had a good fight yet. If you need help in your marriage, go find somebody that's been married 44 years, 60 years. How'd y'all do it? Well, praise God. And they just start telling their story. Most of the time, every one of them will tell you, we hang on. We just hung on to God and each other, and we learned how to work through the situation. You, you understand what I'm saying? Godly relationships. If you, if you keep getting dreams and visions you don't understand... Don't go to some religious dry hide that ain't never had a dream or a vision. Go find somebody who believes God still speaks through visions and dreams. 
that has a seasoned approach and understanding. I tell you all the time, Devin has like a dream a night. Sometimes it wears me out. Last week, 4 o'clock in the morning, she's like, you awake? Uh. Well, last time I checked, I don't generally wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning and be like, hello, sunshine. I don't mean. (laughs) You awake? Well, I am now. (laughs) She said, I just had a dream. And she starts spitting this dream out. She goes, you believe it's from God? I have no clue. It's 4 Write that thing down. We'll talk about it over coffee at 8 a.m. in the morning. Come on. <laughs> and I'm going to give you a, okay, can I give you something to do? Serious conversation here. She and I have learned, get the phone. True story. I, could, I got five or six, seven dreams on my phone stored that I was too tired to process. But she knew she had a dream or I had a dream. And I said, get the phone, get the phone, get the phone. And before I, because you, listen, dreams come to your spirit and your mind is not always to record with clarity. It's not always able to record with clarity the dream you had, which is why you need to write it down or record it immediately. Because when you wake up after you've slept again, your body is made in such a way that you forget the thing that God put in your spirit. God is only required to speak to you once. If he speaks more than once, it's mercy and grace. Don't presume on mercy and grace. Treat the word of God with honor both times, anytime he speaks to you, right? So now what we've done is when she has a dream or I have a dream, I get the phone and I hit record. It's beautiful. Say it, honey, say it. Come on, say it all. (laughs) Give me all them details, colors, stars, shiny things. Yes, say it. Are you done? Click. (laughs) I'll see you in the morning. We'll talk about it over crumpets and tea. Praise the Lord. That's how we do it. Because the word means something, but I'm going to have to rest a little bit, y'all. Okay, so I'm done. Here we go. You need godly people in your life. If you are so scared that what you're feeling from God would be shot down by a spiritual man and woman of God who love you, chances are you don't have the peace necessary to follow through with the decision you're wanting to make. If you couldn't take it to somebody and it stand the test of someone who truly loves you. Now, I could say a lot of things about about manipulative leadership. Don't go chasing somebody who has an ego problem. Don't go get advice from somebody who is selfish, self-centered. If you go to somebody who wants to be a lid over you, everything you ever hear from God, they'll never bless it because they'll always be afraid you'll go do something greater than what they did. Find somebody secure enough that that can hear your dream, Joseph, and not throw you in a pit because of it. I'm through. The gut feeling. I get them, Pastor. Are they from God or not? Well, the question is, where you been lately? You been in prayer? You been in the Word? Have you been with God's people? Have you been with God's people? Because if you ain't been to church in three years, you might want to start getting back in the fold a little bit before you start talking about how God's been talking to you. Because it's a little strange when people have disconnected from God's people and they start talking about how God's been visiting them all the time. God visits his people because his people are his people. You are not his person. You are his people. The church was never talked about just you or me alone. You are not the church by yourself. I am not the church by myself. The church is always plural and corporate. That doesn't mean you're not saved. 
But make sure you understand that the people of God are a people. And there are a lot of people who are walking in confusion because they're just floating around in life and have never planted their lives anywhere. God wants you to get planted so you can grow. I've taught longer than I usually teach, but I want the people of God to come into a place where they know that what God's showing them on the inside is from him and the confusion that we often wrestle with, we can begin to deal with scripturally and by the spirit of God because God doesn't want you walking around your whole life like, you know, who am I supposed to marry? What am I supposed to do? Where am I supposed to live? What am I supposed to do for a living? God wants you to have peace. I almost put a fourth point in here and I think I've, I struggled with it, but I'm feeling it right now. But there are sometimes you have to make a decision based on what seemed good to you and the Holy Spirit. Amen. In the book of Acts, I think they were trying to find the mind of God and couldn't find for sure if what they were feeling was God or not. So it said, they, the Bible says this in Acts, it says that it seemed good to us and the Holy Ghost for us to make this decision. Sometimes I don't get all the confirmations I ask for, but it seems good. God wants us to do it. Not just good for me, not just good to me, but God, the Holy Spirit, feels good about it. I'm feeling that. I don't feel a red light. I don't feel a yellow light. I don't feel a caution. I can't say I've heard three confirmations and all my, you know, all of my requests have been answered the way I wanted to. He didn't, he didn't, uh, when, when Gideon put the fleece out, sometimes we don't get the fleece we wanted. That don't mean it wasn't God. There have been things I've fleeced God over, and he didn't answer the fleece, and then he showed me he still wanted me to do it. I'm like, why didn't you just answer the fleece? Because I didn't want you to trust the fleece. I'm like, what? No, I don't want you to trust the fleece. I want you to trust me. If you needed this message, I want you to stand on your feet right now. Everybody, whoever. If you didn't need it, you can stay seated. There's no shame. I want you to lay your hands on your spirit. You say, Pastor, where is my spirit? Well, it's not really your spirit. It's Jesus said, out of your belly, out of your innermost being, out of your spirit will flow rivers of living water. So I want you to lay hands right in here. I want you to say, God, begin to speak to me and show me everything you have for me. I want to live with that radar alive on the inside of me. I don't want to miss it. I don't want to walk in ignorance. I don't want to walk in darkness. I want to walk in the light. Come on, I'm praying that over you now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I'm asking you, Lord, right now. This house is in need. We are in need, Holy Ghost, of greater discernment on the inside of us. We are in need, Spirit of the living God, of greater sensitivity and greater revelation. Oh, come on, lift our hands, lift our voices. Can we just ask him for, for more of his spirit to have his way in our hearts and lives? We want to hear your voice louder than other voices. Our minds cannot be sewers and trash cans of the world and at the same time simultaneously be the place where your spirit is speaking. We want to have a, a pure heart, a pure mind, a pure conscience. Lord, cleanse us. If there's junk on the inside of us today, Lord God, making it difficult, Lord God, cleanse us on the inside. We ask it in the name of Jesus today, Lord. Open my eyes, open my spiritual 
ears. Let me hear. Let me see, oh God. We don't want to walk in the darkness. We want to walk in the light. Father, teach us that through fellowship in your word and through revelation, either by dream or prophecy or spoken word, whatever it might be, oh God. God, we open our hearts to the more of you. We're not going to be limited or confined, but God, we want everything that happens to be authentic, genuine, and an expression of your spirit. And when it is not from you, when it is not your voice, when it is not your will, oh God, may the peace that you give us, Lord God, Lord, I just pray you'll speak to us through the peace of God or through the absence of that peace. When we can't feel that peace and we know there's something off and something wrong, would you help us today, Lord God, to understand how to navigate through waters of, that are challenging to discern, times that are challenging to discern, spirits and voices in this earth that are challenging to discern. God, we want to have your voice and your, your discernment, Lord. So we lift our hands now and we say, Holy Spirit, would you show us your way? Holy Spirit, would you show us your way? Holy Spirit, would you show us your way? Spirit of God, don't let us be trapped in our carnality. Don't let us be trapped in our flesh. Don't let us be trapped in being, in being led by our flesh and our body. God, oh God, let us be led by our spirit. Come on, God is waking somebody's spirit up this morning. God is waking somebody's spirit up this morning. God is waking somebody's spirit up this morning. God is bringing some revelation to some minds that were previously confused and frustrated. you're in this room right now, and I know we've got to go in just a moment, but if you're in this room right now and you'd say, Pastor Kevin, pray for me. I need Jesus to save me. I need the Lord to rescue me and forgive me and save me from my sins. And I cannot save myself. Would you pray for me, Pastor Kevin? I, I, I can't change me. I can't make my leprous spots go away. I can't get rid of my own problems. I, I keep creating bigger problems, and I just need the Lord to forgive me of my sins and cleanse me. Then if that's you, I have good news for you today. Jesus came to this building today to set you free and to save you from all of your sins. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed, and if I'm talking to you and you want to give your heart to Christ, I don't care how far away you feel and how messed up you feel like you are, he'll save you today and make you as sure for heaven as if you were already there, but you must say yes, don't reject him. Today is the day of salvation. If I'm talking to you when I say three, lift your hand up if that's you and I want to pray with you today. You want to go to heaven and not hell. Serve God and not the devil. Walk in the light and not in the darkness. Have life and not death. When I say three, if that's you and I'm talking to you, lift your hand, shoot it up, and the Lord Jesus is going to save you. One, two, three. Shoot it up right now. Pray for me, Pastor. Anybody at all? Yes, I see your hands back there. God bless you, family. I see your hands, sir. God bless you. I see your hand, ma'am. God bless you. You all put your hands down. You can all put your hands down. Thank you. God bless you, sir. Everyone look at me right here. I want you to look at the person on your left and right, and I don't care if you've known them your whole life or you've never met them before this service today. I want you to ask them one question right now. Do you need someone to go pray with you at the altar? And if you lifted your hand or you should have when they ask you that question, I want you to come stand down with, here with me right now. We're going to pray a prayer that Jesus Christ is going to hear, and he's going to save every person who comes for salvation. Right now, come. If I'm, if I'm talking to you, if you need Jesus to save you, and you lifted your hand or you know you should have, would you come stand? I'll wait on you. Even if Thank you for coming, sweetheart. Thank you for coming, sir. Thank you for coming. Come on. Come on. I, I, come on. Every Sunday we do this because we believe Jesus... He not only saves on Easter Sunday, he saves every Sunday. Thank you for coming, pal. 
Thank you for coming, sweetheart. I see you coming. I'm waiting on you. Come on. Come on, y'all. Let's just throw a real quick party. Let's throw a real quick party. Hallelujah. Bless your soul. Come help me, elders. Come help me, elders and pastors. I want everyone, I want them to pray. I'm going to ask the church family to exit out both sides while these brothers and sisters come to Christ. We got prayer leaders who are full of the Holy Spirit. They're going to pray them through. We got a whole other congregation getting ready to come in. Listen, if you're a first-time guest, I'm going to be right out in this wing in the lobby on this side exiting out to the main parking lot. I'd love to shake everybody's hand, especially our first-time guests, and greet everyone. Listen, see you Sunday night. The fast begins tonight at midnight. Whatever you fast, do it unto God. Pray with us this Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, and we'll see you through our week of prayer times and then Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Go in the peace of God.